at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Past the post for Sunday, the 9th of May. We passed the post yesterday at the end of May 8. We had a new Doombin Cup favourite. We had Chris Waller uh, cementing his position for the Queensland Oaks, continual, potentially continuing his domination of that race, which he has done in recent years. And we saw two performances outside of Queensland that could have a bearing on our, our carnival here over the next few weeks. Nathan Exelby is in the studio with me. How are you, Nathan? Yeah, terrific. Thanks, David. Yeah, really enjoyable day at the coast there yesterday. And as you alluded, uh, Caulfield and Morfordville had races that uh, will certainly play a bearing on the, the Brisbane features in coming weeks. We've got a lot to get through. First, uh, we had Group 1 action at Morfordville with the Derby, the big day at the Gold Coast. Gosford had uh, an excellent card there yesterday. And, of course, we're going to talk about and discuss Ayrton who won the last race at Caulfield from a Stradbroke handicap point of view. So let's make a start and we'll go to the Group 1 action. We'll go to Morfordville. And here's the SA Derby replay. They race up to the 400 metres. The leader is Solar Apex. Lecuro joins in. Itchy Bansan. Here comes Explosive Jack now turning into the straight. Explosive Jack in the Derby. Raced up to Lecuro. They moved away into third. Let's crack a deal. Explosive Jack burnt to the lead. Charge three in front. Let's crack a deal giving chase. Explosive Jack clear from Let's crack a deal who's trying hard. Then Noble Heights. But Explosive Jack, the Tasman. Tasmanian Derby, the Australian Derby and now the Tab South Australian Derby. What a moment. Explosive Jack wins it from Let's Caracadil. Noble Heights and she brings it a blinder. Followed by Royal Mile, then Deep Strike Personal. Next in Suppression. Followed by a tiring Lecuro. Then Token Spirit Itchy Bansan, Azalee, Mode Pulciano, A Breed. Last of all is Solar Apex. Explosive Jack ended up running the Derby favourite and he was successful. Again, the best stayer on the day and again taking another Derby. That's uh, three now. Uh, we had Hobart in February. The Australian Derby, of course, during the championships at Royal Ramick and yesterday the SA Derby. It's an extraordinary record. Yeah, and a lot of discussion, David, around other multiple Derby winning horses. Obviously, Tullick won three. Silver Sharp won the, the, the big three. Uh, Diana won four, um, won a South Australian, Victoria, and then two derbies in WA. So if Explosive Jack can come to Queensland and be successful, he'll join Diana there. But um, it's a it's a magnificent story, isn't it, to go from Tassie there early in the year to be still up and winning races like that yesterday. I just want to chart his course, his career, his a very brief career. And, and again, it's extraordinary in itself in terms of, of travelling. He kicked off at his first start in a race. He won a maiden at Swan Hill. That was in late November. He then went up to New South Wales and he had two runs. He ran fifth at Goulburn and then he won a Kembla benchmark 64. He went back down to Hobart and uh, struck Pater there winning the Tasmanian Derby. He came back to Melbourne. He ran to the Alistair Clark. He had a run at Bendigo. Then he went to Royal Randwick, won the Derby there, and then to Morfordville. <laughs> so... I mean, not only is he a very, very, very good stayer, he's well-travelled, and um, these, aren't, these aren't soft performances either. He's no. been getting back, coming wide. For example, yesterday he was wide all the way, but he travelled well under John Allen, and uh, he's clearly a, well, a very, very good three-year-old stayer. Yeah, and the ATC derby was a tough race, wasn't it, in that, mm. that three-way go? I must confess, David, when he won that derby in Sydney, I expected to see a bigger price than $16, so obviously plenty of people found him. 
He's now, what, $5 favourite for the, the Queensland derby. Let's Karaka deals also in the market there. Would you give him any chance of turning the tables in three weeks, given he was only sort of third up there yesterday? Well, he'd have to, he'd have to be competitive. And I think uh, Kieran Maher was quoted in this morning's uh, report saying that he is uh, in for the derby. Let's Karaka deal. But that old line, we'll let the dust settle <laughs> and then we'll work out about explosive jack. But that's the point I was making at the start of the program. It would be great for our carnival to see this triple derby winner arrive in our backyard and, and, and you know, obviously be very, very hard to beat. Yeah, and that's right. And there's been efforts to showcase the derby this year as well, bringing it forward, giving it its own day. So having a horse like him going to it certainly allows that to happen. The other thing to point out too about um, his... Uh, CV, apart from the fact that he's a triple derby winner and he's travelled everywhere, basically when you look at this this form sheet, he's never had a break. No, no. I mean, one three, yeah. three or four weeks between runs, and that that uh, that speaks volumes to the training prowess of of Kieran Maher and David Eustace, uh, because he, he he started his racing career in late November, and here we are now getting towards the middle of May, and uh, obviously one last shot at the stumps would be the the, the Queensland Derby. Yes, let's correct a deal second and Noble Heights ran third, but uh, he was the best there on the day. John Allen, uh, horses seemed to travel well yeah, for him. Do. Like there was a horse yesterday, he was wide at various stages he had cover, but he always travelled well. That's exactly right. And um, he's he's built a terrific record the last four or five years, hasn't he, Johnny Allen, to his career transition? Well, of course, as far as South Australia is concerned, their big day next Saturday, the last day of their carnival, we'll see the running of the Goodwood Handicap. We'll talk more about that Tomorrow morning on Press Room, let's turn our attention now to Aquas Park Gold Coast. This is their big carnival day of the year, their winter carnival day of the year. And we'll go to the Group 2 Hollandale Stakes. And Zaki, the eventual winner, was a medium of very heavy support. They sweep for home of the Hollandale. Shared Ambition went to Tiptronic. Zaki all of a sudden challenges Shared Ambition. Drives to the lead. Then 50 stars followed by Mr Seawolf. Avilius running on but giving Zaki a long start. And it's an impossible one because Zaki is home and hosed. They put plenty on. They get the money. He bolts in. 50 stars second. Shared Ambition third. Avilius fourth. Then Humidor. Followed by Mr Seawolf. Toffee Tongue Homesman. Then Melody Bell. Well back was... At the head of the others, Vanna Girl with two illicit, the Candyman, Toffee Tongue of that bunch with Tiptronic, and Natoya lust over the line in 150.57, and Zaki made a mess of them in the AD Hollandale Stakes. That's the only way to put it. He was totally dominant, and we have to remember every comment we were making during the week and leading right up to when they jumped out of the barriers. This is probably the best Hollandale stakes field assembled. I'm not saying better horses haven't won the Hollandale, no. like Might and Power, like Rough Habit, maybe Shogun Lodge. But collectively, this was a great race. He treated them with contempt. Wasn't it? It's a classic case of the new horse on the scene, wasn't it, David? A lot of the others there, they, we've seen them go around season after season and they've had tough campaigns, whereas this horse had a real sense of timing about him. The punters were, were onto that, weren't they? Uh, he was happy to just... McDonald was happy to let this horse travel comfortably where he was. He raced a little bit wide, but as you said, it was an arrogant um, victory. And um, That was the other feature of the, the win, was the, the, the betting support was $6 when we spoke yesterday morning and ran at $3.20. Well, our first guest on Pass the Post doesn't care what prize Zaki started, but she would be absolutely delighted to see that horse win and win in such impressive fashion. Trainer Annabelle Neesham is with us on Past the Post. Annabelle, congratulations. And you must have been delighted with that performance because he did beat them uh, 
very, very easily. Yeah, he, I was actually sort of almost shaking like a leaf after it. I couldn't believe how easily he, he put them away. Um, always, you know, I suppose going into it, I thought we'd see where we're at with him against a, a field like that. Um, but I had a really good feeling um, about him. As, as you said, there was a bit of a sense of timing and um, you know, taking a bit of um, improvement away from that last run. And I you know, just everything about the race I liked, he sort of freshened up. Um, we certainly had a plenty of spring in his step the last week anyway so just coming back in trip that little bit I knew would suit and um, yeah it was it was a great performance and what you I'm sure were also heartened by and you, you've obviously well I presume you've watched the replay once or twice but this was a very very good field but he there was no hard thought about the win he travelled well all of the way and he cruised away from them and James was actually probably easing him up on the line, so it wasn't a gut bust by any stretch of the imagination. No, and he's he's pulled up um, like he's just had a track gallop. He's, mm-hmm. he's been to the beach this morning, and you, you honestly wouldn't know he's had a race. And I, I suppose when they, you know, he's he's hasn't hasn't certainly looked like he was all out to the line. So I'm sure that always helps them pull up well. But um, yeah, it's just a, it was a beautiful ride um, by James. He he. Um, you know, before the race, we didn't plan exactly where we were going to be. Just be where you're comfortable. And, um, yeah, it was probably a little bit further forward than, than he perhaps has been in the past. But he's such a strong traveller. Um, and he's, he's got a sort of unique he- head carriage. He carries his head quite high. But um, he's not, James said, he's certainly not pulling. He's just travelling uh, really well. And I think that helped him maybe get through the ground. I know, I mean, the, the track, I thought they'd done a, a superb job with. Um, but probably my only concern was was the boys back in in England that, uh, when we bought him. You know, they said he doesn't really like wet tracks. He's he's a, a firm track horse. So I suppose that the wet tracks here are probably a lot drier than the, the wet tracks mm. back home. But um, uh, yeah, I think that, you know that was exciting for me to see that he can do it on on a different ground as well. It just makes him more versatile. Annabelle, tell us a little bit about his story. He's a dual Group 3 winner back in Europe. How did he come to land in Australia? And were, were your clients sort of chasing after him for some time? Yeah, I had um, some um, guys approach me um, from Melbourne that wanted to buy um, buy a horse. Um, so I think they, they took ended up half or just over half of him and, and they knew the bloodstock agent that I know um, in England. So that was the sale that we targeted and, and um, Stuart Bowman... Um, of Blanford Bloodstock, um, I've you know, got a good relationship with him and, and trust him, and um, yeah, he, he put a couple of names to us, and a lot of Australians buy from that sale. It's, it's the Tattergall sale in November um, in Newmarket. It's, it's a tried horse sale, and um, certainly the last two years, the Australians have really targeted targeted it, um, and there were a lot of buyers there from Australia last year, and they were going. A lot of the three-year-olds were going for a lot of money, and um, I didn't have as, as big a budget um, as, as what the three-year-olds were going for. So just looked outside the, the square a bit and, and we went for him. He's a five-year-old, so I think a few people thought he might be a bit old. But, um, you know, he's six when he landed here. Um, but, yeah, he's he's just a really nice, sound horse and certainly doesn't um, doesn't look like a six-year-old. He, uh, I think he's got a few seasons left in him yet. You, you you set an ambitious task. You went to the Doncaster first up and leading into that, and he ran a terrific race running sixth. Did you give him some rough hope in that race on what you'd seen in your own stable since he arrived? Yeah, I did, actually. Um, I, a few people said, 
have you got a tip for me? And I said, back Zaki each way in the Donny. Mm. I um, I wouldn't have been surprised if if he if he'd ran a place there. He, he didn't, but he ran he ran super and uh, and he jumped from the widest alley. So um, that that gave us a bit of confidence, I think, because we'd been fairly bullish about him going in. Um, just his work was was very very good, um, and that obviously was the reason why we why we lined him up in that race. Um, he was obviously a little bit soft being first up, but um, I think those European horses there they've got. They're so well conditioned um, that you know you can start them up over. You know, if they're a miler, you can start them over a mile. Um, you haven't got to sort of start at 1,200, 1,400 um, because they just seem to have that really good base on them. And um, you even, you know, you look at uh, a day who ran first up over the 2,000. I think he hadn't ran since October, and I think it's just the way they're trained there. They've just got that that extra conditioning work done to them, and. Um, yeah, he's, he'd obviously ran at the end of last season in, in England and then had to go into quarantine, but he um, adapted very quickly. You've got an exciting couple of weeks coming up. He's now $3.50 favourite for the Doombin Cup. Full steam ahead to that race? Yeah, absolutely. Um, couldn't be happy with the way he's pulled up. So, um, yeah, that'll certainly be the plan in two weeks' time. Just before we let you go, well, two things, in fact. Uh, I noticed, uh, well, I presume there were a lot of the owners there yesterday, very happy bunch. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a good crew up from Melbourne. And, um, yeah, they, they uh, celebrated hard. And um, I, think <laughs> I think they're still up here licking their wounds this morning. But, you know, that's what it's all about. When they when they bought him, they, they're based in Melbourne, a lot of them, but they were keen to have a horse they could travel around and see. So, you know, he's given them already three good weekends and and hopefully i think they'll all they'll all come up there are a few missing but i think they're all coming up in two weeks time so i'm sure you'll hear them from a mile away if he can get the job done again annabelle you've got prague that's nominated for the doom and 10,000 but i understand you're likely to sort of wait another fortnight and go to the kingsford smith with him yeah he definitely won't go to the 10,000 he'll he'll more than likely go to the uh, kingsford smith followed by the stradbroke annabelle once again congratulations and um well, hopefully we'll be talking in two weeks' time after the Doom and Cup, but on yesterday's performance, there's a very good chance we'll be doing that. I hope so. Good on you. Thanks. Annabelle Nisham joining us, the trainer of Zaki. And that betting move, I know we often agree on this, that sometimes the market framers overreact. Well, in this case, it's a it's a real reaction. It is $8 before yesterday into four fifty, then 4 and you've just mentioned now three fifty. I thought he'd be shorter, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I guess you've got the X Factors of Mugger 2 and Sir Dragonac uh, added into the mix for the Doomman Cup, but you wouldn't be wanting to back anything that finished in his wake yesterday to turn the tables, would you? When you consider the manner in which he run, won, uh, that's sectional too, 34-4. It was a slowly run Hollandale earlier. They didn't go hard and, and he was on pace, so that did advantage him. You've got to put things in perspective. But again, I raised the point that you know, 50 stars was left well in his wake, as were a host of other you know, group performers. So it was the manner in which he won that, that says that you're probably right, he is going to be very hard to beat and, and deserves that, that quote, $3.50, as you said, Mugger 2 and Dragon, so Dragon A at $6.50, stars 9, Chen Emission 11, Avilius 13, and wider after that. Um, I understand they're going to press on with Melody Bell. I was with the syndicate manager, John Galvin, yesterday and... 
Um, that's that is the plan as of yesterday. It may may change, but um, Opie Boston said she just sort of knocked up with a little bit of time between runs. So you'd like to see her bounce back at Doom and David given it's uh, all set to be her finale to a, mm. what's been a terrific career. She would need to turn it around. Yep. It was uh, seven lengths was the margin. Uh, Fifty stars, good, shared ambition, honest. Villiers just seems to like that killer punch. These days he, he does, but again, I think they, they said they, they intend to press on with him. Okay, that's the Hollandale Stakes. And, and two things to come out of that, and one that Annabelle alluded to, uh, James McDonald. Mm. He showed why he's such a professional jockey by the way he handled the Gold Coast track yesterday. And he was the first to admit, not that he came out and said it de- deliberately or, or you know... Uh, but reading between the lines, he went onto the worst part of the track with Ranch Hand. He knew that. Rather than lick his wounds, he said, right, slap bang in the middle of the day, change the game plan, watch the ride on Grace and Harmony, yep. watch the ride on Zaki. He deliberately um, keeps a widish path for most of the way and then, of course, around the turn, deliberately navigates towards the centre of the track. And it, it brings up the point that, um, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what the track rating is and, you know... I believe that the track rating was wrong from the start of the day. Hindsight tells us that, but that's another issue. But uh, this inside part of the Gold Coast, whether, whatever the track rating is, whatever the season it is, it just seems to be a no-go zone. And you see jockeys deliberately ride at that centre part of the track. It's, it's, not, it's not unusual. No, it's, it's, it's just the established pattern there, especially on the big days. Um, I guess we see it in Rose Hill in Sydney a bit, David. They like to get away from the fence there a lot of the time. It's just a... It's a nuance of the track. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, you know, but, but sometimes I think planes have to be rearranged uh, with the nature of this track as it is. I'm not, not not going full bore on it, but at least McDonald was smart enough and wise enough to say, right, this is the way I've got to ride this track, and it was clearly evident, and it produced results with with Grace and Harmony, and also with Zaki. So that was the Hollandale. Let's go to another group race. This is the Guineas, won by Marbusha. And heading for Homer, on straightening up Marbusher alongside Tremonto, then Fleet Darver, followed by Lord Olympus Kizikano, down the outside Amish Boy, Simply Fly, and Rocketing by needs room to move, Marbusher got the better of the bowler, Tremonto, then Kizikano and Lord Olympus, Marbusher with 100 to go, in front Boone goes for Homer, Kizikano, Rocketing, Tremonto battles on, but Marbusher, Marbusher beat either Tremonto or Kizikano, fourth either Rocketing by or Lord Olympus, then Fleet Dove followed by Simply Fly, Amish Boy, Immortal Love, and out towards the tail, Master Red, and the actuary, 111.84 was the gallop, but it was simply a dash up the straight. That it was, and again, punters had their eye in, as Nathan Exelute did for most races yesterday. There's a, a compliment. Thank you. Uh, but Mar Bush... race, I didn't. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, not this one. <laughs> uh, Mar Bush, a 390 down to 310, but a strange race tempo-wise. No, no speed on it all early. They were 37 plus the first 600. And and horses were in positions we didn't expect them to be. They were wide. Yeah. It, was, it was a funny race. Well, I looked at the market and I thought, well, I'm on the wrong tram here because when the market moves like that here in Queensland, they don't miss too often. And then after 100 metres, well, you definitely knew you were on the wrong tram. It, it, but you were on the right one. Punters were on the right one. Uh, you were in the pole position a long way from home if you were on the, the, the winner. Yeah, I got the re- I got the result, but um, the the lead up to it was totally wrong. I thought <laughs> from the wide gate she'd be back Just with the cap catchers yeah. like Amish boy, and they zipped down the outside. But it wasn't that way at all. And Jimmy Byrne, maybe it wasn't by design. He ended up there. He came out and was was caught wide. So you do one or two things, don't you? you either go forward or go yeah. back. 
and most wanted to be taking a sit, so he allowed Marbusha just to stride forward. She travelled perfectly. Um, so I, taking nothing away from her performance, uh, the format of the race might be a little tricky from a, 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 um, a future viewpoint because of the slow speed. Yeah, possibly. A 50-to-1 pops mm. run second there. Um, a couple of others sort of disappointed as compared to their, their previous runs. But, but she's a good filly. Like her, her form sort of speaks for itself. And I wouldn't be surprised if they found another nice race for her over the carnival if they elected to press on. Yeah, I've got the feeling they're not. I've okay. got the feeling they might be um, pulling up stumps because and, and, and look towards the spring with her. But uh, her overall form is good. As I said yesterday, she's never run a bad race, has she? And she's got that written beauty form from the spring last year. So she's she's a talent for sure. And in three states too, Dave. So yes, yeah. I think Paul Paul Stone is with us now, which is good. Paul, good morning. How are you? With Mar Busher, uh, do you pull up stumps after yesterday? Yeah, it was always the plan to uh, to run her there yesterday and and to uh, put her out in the paddock. She's she's on the truck now, so. She's out for a, for a good spell um, in the lead-up to a spring campaign. We were just talking before you joined us about the, the nature of the race. It was a, a, a crawl and then a sprint home, and she drew a wide gate, and we often see a race back. Were there any set plans to, 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 to actually end up where you did in the run? Yeah, well, obviously, it looked a lot lot of lot more speed on paper than what we um, we got yesterday, and simply um, going into that, into that race yesterday, we, we identified the speed and, and obviously didn't want to be that far forward. But when uh, it didn't eventuate and Jim did what he did, well, obviously it was the winning move because uh, I think yourself, when, you, when you're doing the call there, uh, the first split was 37-something. The first 600, you knew where you needed to be and that was up on speed. Uh, Paul, she does go for a break now. What, what, what do you see her targets of being later in the year? Well, she's still learning, um, learning sort of how to race properly. I, I believe she's better when she is ridden with a sit. She certainly does relax a lot better, but she certainly got on the, the bit a little bit um, early in mid-race with those slow sectionals. But once she, the penny does drop with her, she can relax. She'll have a better turn of foot about her. And, um, you know, maybe she might get a little bit further in time, but it remains to be seen just how she comes back. Obviously, the trip away, she's been to Melbourne and Brisbane now of Queensland, so... Um, you know, it's certainly going to help her mature that way and, and just grow up a little bit. And hopefully, this good spill under her belt, we can we can start to um, map out a little bit of a plan and, and hopefully get to sort of maybe a forty hundred metre race somewhere along the line. We'll close the chapter on Mar Busha, Wild Ruler, six dollars for next week's ten thousand. Second favourite behind Eduardo. Everything going okay with him? Yeah, very happy. Uh, had a couple of couple of days, a bit of downtime out the out the farm um, after the Arrowfield. Um, he's certainly come back how he left off. He's, he's in really good order and looking forward to next Saturday. Paul, there was sort of, when he won that Arrowfield, you were in two minds whether he would go for a break or not. Did the nature strip going to the spelling paddock have any bearing on the decision to run in the 10,000? Only this race. We were certainly going to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> obviously, the Kings of Smith was a race that we were looking at quite seriously. And then... Uh, when, when the news broke that um, that Nature Strip wasn't going to be be taking any part, well, obviously then it, it's the goalpost changed just a wee bit, but he was definitely going um, at, at that stage and, and nothing else changed. So uh, that was the only determined factor. So could he go on after the 10,000 to another one of those Group 1 sprints? I think it'll determine just sort of how we... It's all about... I think it's all about... 
probably next preparation. So mm-hmm. let's get next Sunday out of the way, and then we'll see what, see what happens after next week, and then we can we can talk a bit more about his future. Fingers crossed a good barrier draw. That's going to be conducted on Tuesday afternoon. One final question before we let you go. The stable has always enjoyed good success here in southeast Queensland, but particularly with two-year-olds. Have you got any young horses for the you know, looking at the size of the Atkins? Uh, yes. Yeah, so the uh, horse that won the other day, Astrology, which you've seen in a, in a Magic Inn sort of preparation mm. last year. Um, he won during the week last week. He still holds a, holds a non for the size. Um, obviously we've got Kalashnikov with Scratchy from yesterday he'll run in the Champagne next Saturday um, just only due to the deterioration of the track and I'm I'm really glad that we did Scratch him because he's not a that's the track yesterday was touch shifty which is not ideal for him he's a good good track horse so they're two two main horses that'll probably you'll see in the next couple of weeks hopefully we can get them up there good work good uh, work yesterday as well we'll talk soon uh, good on you thanks very much Paul Snowden joining us, part of the father-son combination of Peter and Paul Snowden. Mark Busher, she's a good talent, and we'll see her later in the year. They don't miss too often, do they, David, when, when they come up here? No, as I said, they to say they enjoy considerable success is probably an understatement. Let's continue on. We're looking back at Aquas Park Gold Coast yesterday, and we'll go to the Ken Russell Memorial, presented by the TAB. This is a Group 3 event, and Ranch Hand was the favourite, $2.05. 400 metres left to run and Dovetail Diva has had a good run. Let's see what she can offer now. Baby Wong striding closer on the outside. All of a sudden Ranch Hand is emerging. Debussy down the outside and Subterranean the widest runner. Dovetail Diva leading from Baby Wong. Ranch Hand's now under some pressure but coming home strongly. Rhapsody Rose there as well. Wider Subterranean. Ranch Hand slicing through goes to Dovetail Diva. Wider Subterranean. Ranch Hand's got it narrowly. Subterranean flying. I'd say Ranch Hand just beat Subterranean. Rhapsody Rhapsody Rose are close up third and Dovetail Diva in fourth. A gap then two at the head of the others. Apple Tart followed by Baby Wong, Mr Larrabee. Then came Debussy Angel Lake. And last over the line is La Force in 111.67. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. I do feel for you. I didn't even think it was don't, close. No, don't, no, no, no. I was heartened by the fact that everyone thought Ranch Hand had won. So tell me as a race caller... You, they, you see the replay come up and does your heart just sort of sink when the slow-mo comes up? Or? Well, I've, I've got to say, I make no excuses because if you're in this job, you're a professional, that's your job. You either get them right or you get them wrong. You'd like to get more right than wrong. And also at the Gold Coast, I'm virtually on the winning post. The height is right. So you can't make excuses there at all. And I've got to say, I'm happy to put my hand up to say, I didn't think it was even a, an issue. <laughs> I thought Ranch Hand just from Subterranean. Then you see that video mm. shot. And I wonder what it, our guest thinks. Well, I'll we'll ask him in a moment, but that line always comes in then. If you're on subterranean, don't sell out. <laughs> and up went number three. Here's uh, the man who trains subterranean, Matt Dunn. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm well. Uh, what did you think when they hit the line? No, I thought the same as you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was with you. I thought he got beat for sure. But um, I suppose when, when they're that wide on the track, the angle could be a bit deceptive, and, um, particularly at the Gold Coast. And, uh a nice surprise when his number went up. He would have been pleased with his performance too because it was a good, strong finish by him. Yeah, we were. We were sort of going into the race assuming after last start that he was looking to go to 1,400. When the track was a bit soft and Blinkers went on, we sort of hoped that that would, um, that would be enough to sort of get him through this run because obviously his ultimate goal would be over a mile by the end of this preparation. But um, no, he was good. He finished, as you said, nice and strong. And the horse that he beat 
probably had a better run than him through the race. He covered a bit more ground and, um, you know, he, he did a good job. Part of a trainer's job, Matt, is to sort of try and get inside a horse's head sometimes. And I know you were, you were scratching your head last time you thought he was a touch disappointing, but you've walked away from there. You've made that gear change yesterday. The blinkers going on and it made a big difference, I thought. So it must be sent a lot of satisfaction in, in seeing something like that come off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, he worked in blinkers on Tuesday morning and um, even in his work with blinkers on, he's so casual and so relaxed. And, you know, he sort of sits off his mate and he, you know, you sort of got to stoke him up at the 600 and say, come on, it's time to go and work. Um, and, yeah, I mean, long-term, uh, that's, a, that's a real positive and an asset to him. But uh, at the moment, we're trying to get him to bounce out and go 1,200. <laughs> it becomes a bit awkward. Um, but, no, he's, uh, I think he's got a good future. He really does. So do we go directly to the size produce now? Yeah, we'll go straight to the size and into the Atkins. That, that's fair enough. Just before you go... Um the Sydney stable, how's it going? How's it shaping up? It's going really good, actually, particularly the last um, the last probably three months as the studies attract better clients, or not better clients, but, but clients from Sydney pretty much and, and that are actually supporting the Sydney stable rather than sort of transferring horses from home down to Sydney all the time. So that, that's a positive and we're starting to get, you know, better stock, bought better yearlings this year, spent more money. Um, so, you know, it was always going to take a, a bit of time and never once did we assume that we'd step into there in, in two years' time and be sort of top 10 Sydney stable. But, you know, we're, we're sort of... We're starting to get good results and, and things are becoming more positive as the off-season comes around. We'll, we'll probably come into our own a bit more so in Sydney um, as the better horses start to drop away and we're hoping that that can change as, as time goes on. But, uh, no, we're... We've uh, we've just moved into a new stable at Warwick Farm, which is which is great. So no, there's there's lots of positives and lots of good things happening in Sydney, and um, I'll, I'll gradually spend more and more time in Sydney. It's been a pretty good eight days, Matt. Four winners for the week at four different venues, and back last Saturday at Hawkesbury, I believe you you, you did give the owners a reasonable push for the big price winner impasse. Yeah, it has been actually. It's, it's funny; it comes in waves, doesn't it? You, you sort of. You know, two weeks ago, you sort of think, where's our next winner coming from? Then <laughs> everything sort of comes together and, and uh, you know, a combination of a number of things probably. But, uh, yeah, we, we've, uh, we've had a really good few days and hopefully we can sort of carry it on uh, through the season and, and through the winter in Queensland. What sale did Subterranean come out of, Matt? He did, actually didn't come out of a sale. Steve Grant bred him. Okay. Um, and, and he, uh, there's a bit of a story behind him actually because he, Rick Worthington had him in his stable when he passed away, and mm. Steve sort of sent me an email saying, "Oh, would you, would you have someone to take half of this? It's not a huge amount of money." And it, I sort of took it myself originally. And then uh, Mitch Lowe, um, he, he does some syndications down in the Northern Rivers, and he uh, he saw him working one morning when he was at, at the track watching horses work. And he said, "What's that?" And I told him. He said, "I'll take it." <laughs> um, and I probably wish I hadn't sold it to him now. But no, there is it is a good story, and I, you know, grateful to get support of guys like. Ken Lowe and Steve Grant and Mitch Lowe, these, these guys are very important, to, particularly to the Sydney stable because um, you know, they're, they're based in the Southern Highlands and they're big supporters of racing. And you know, the more, more people we can get backing us uh, that, that are in that, that, that area, uh, the better. Good on you, mate. Good work with Subterranean and, and continued success, uh, not only here in South East Queensland where we see your horses race, but also in Sydney. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Matt Dunn joining us this morning. Nash Rewilla copped uh, a penalty here. Well, <laughs> 17 strikes with a whip. What's that? Two more than what's uh, what's required or what's well, the rules? I think 10's the limit, but that 
after 10, you go to a, a fine, and then after the 15, that's when the suspension mm. kicks in. So that wouldn't have made the defeat of Ranch Hand any easier to cop for, for punters either, would it, David? No, ex- exactly right. And I know there's two subterranean by Rebel Dane, mm. uh, the first crop of the Rebel Dane, so subterranean's doing well for that stallion. What do you make out of the format of the race? I'm going to say, I don't think it's, I'm, you know, not being, well, I'm sorry that I'm being a hard marker. I don't know if it's a great form reference for the size of the Atkins. No, and then in recent times that it has tended to be the Champagne next week, which will mm. be known as the Spirit of Boom Classic, um, I can tell you. Uh, Sizzling was the last horse to win that Ken Russell to go on and win win the Atkins. So more this coming week, the Champagne is more where the ones that have go on in our carnival, but also go on later in the year. Let's go to uh, what is a traditional lead-up to the Queensland Oaks, the Gold Coast Bracelet. And this was a very open betting race, although in the end they came for the Queenslander, Tycoon Evie, and she went off at 4.20. Fully homeward bound, 3.50 left to run. Easy Farm went to the lead. On the outside, Grace and Harmony is launching a strong challenge. And here comes Signora Nera, ahead of only words and gunmetal girl. Soon afterwards, Grace and Harmony strode to a clear lead. Signora Nera looked the only danger. 100 left to run. Grace and Harmony going well. Signora Nera can make no impact. And Grace and Harmony too good. Beat Signora Nera. Only words third. Good soys fourth. Then Easy Far, followed by Gunmetal Girl Deep Seaver. Then came Yatton. Nothing sweet about me. Tycoon Evie. Gaps to Force of Will. Ruru. And further gaps to I Promise You and Seduction Queen. Out at the tail in 151.34. Grace and Harmony was clearly too good. Uh, I think I mentioned yesterday that watching the race, if you were on her, it was a pretty good watch because she always travelled well and just kept gaining ground, gaining ground. Senora Nera. Had to come from behind her, tried hard, but on the day, on the day yesterday, Grace and Harmony, a little too good with only words third, giving Chris Waller the trifecta. Yeah, that's right. He just missed the first four. Um, she's the new filly on the scene, only sort of lightly raced this preparation. The two wins in Sydney, steps up to stakes grade yesterday. She's now an $11 chance for the, the Queensland Oaks. David, keep in mind it's a 2,200-metre race this year. I think she can keep progressing forward. Oh, I'm, I'm sure she can. I thought there was plenty to like about her win. Time comparisons, interesting. Uh, they ran 151.34 in the bracelet and in the Hollandale, not considerably faster, 150 and 57. So about 0.8 difference, but the sectionals were... Three seconds difference. Yeah, uh, Zaki brushed home 34.41, leaded a winner, but uh, much slower in the bracelet, 37.22. Uh you got this race right. You like Signora Nera and Grace and Harmony. Uh, they quinella the race. Uh, I thought Signora Nera's run was good, considering she was coming back from the, the 24 Yeah, and he was metres. probably at her for a fair way from home. So she'll stick on okay and go to the Roses, I would assume. She's sort of $15 in the Oaks. But the winner has a bit more sort of... a bit more dynamic, isn't she? I think so. And I didn't mind the run of good stories no, She's coming before. on well. Just, I would say just... Again, an expression, just ticking along nicely. Yeah, they'd have to be happy with that. Um, she drew out there, only beaten two and three quarter lengths, and she's had a deliberate preparation towards the Oaks, and everything's on target there. On the downside, Tyke and Evie disappointing, couldn't find an excuse there. Yeah, and I'd said for some time, like, the pedigree screams 1,200 metres, so I know she was impressive at the mile, but um, whether that's a bridge too far there, and also she's, she's had a decent campaign. Good to see those colours there yesterday too of Grace and Harmony. White, black, checks, purple sleeves because I'm pretty sure they are Chris Waller's actual stable colours. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, we, that's yeah. We used to see more of them when Chris was sort of kicking off yes. and, and and getting out there and setting about making the empire he's got. But we don't see them as much these days. But fairly certain that they are the uh, they are the Chris Wallace Dan stable colours. Those colours, didn't he? And, yeah, and uh, we used to sell them. that horse. Uh, what was the horse press? The, the one of the two year old press statement. Press statement. Yeah, I'm sure they carried those colours as well. So it's the Oaks. The Oaks, of course, as Nathan said, 2,200 metres on the first Saturday in June. Let's go to our final replay from Gold Coast yesterday. This is the Silk Stocking, and Yamazaki gets the money. The straight though, Gem of Scotland raced up on the outside of Allison of Tuffy, but Yamazaki charged at the pair. Wonderful Reary just behind them. Now a girl gives them three lengths, but Yamazaki, hard to see her getting beaten. She's as strong as an ox, dashed away, and she's home in the silk stocking. Yamazaki, far too good, beat Wonderful Reary. Gem of Scotland third, seen too many fourth. Then Allison of Tuffy, Goldie Fox, followed by. Enterprise, Karen Willow, Tito, Akage, then Sophie's Gold Class, Peroni, well back was split, not a shock, one for Betty, Shazade, and it didn't work out, but it was great to have you here, Pikey. Bowie girl ran last. <laughs> the reason I said that was uh, $10 to four sixty. Someone said to me on the way home from the races, oh, maybe that's because of the um, the last race, Pikes did. I said, I don't. <laughs> I said, I don't think they're, they're that sort they're of sentimental, such, those putters. That I, big, no. Yeah, they, they, it was a very, very strong move. But, oh, but, but, I was uh, feeling on good terms with myself going into this race when I watched the market. I backed it twice at the $13 earlier in the week, and I thought, oh, this is a good result. And um, The overs God didn't that, um, uh, didn't come to your aid there. It was, uh, it was ugly. But she's Amazaki, when she's on song, she can be quite dynamic. That's the second time we've seen her do that at the Gold Coast. She's just a little bit hard to catch. Yeah, she is. And again, I think... Uh, Evidence of yesterday that racing wide wasn't a great disadvantage because she travelled off the track but was too strong for them. They were the, the feature races, other races to talk about quickly. Uh, speaking about Willie Pike, uh, no joy in the last, but the first race, he picked up the run on I Could Do Better. Maloney couldn't make the weight and he made the most of it. Uh, the Perfect for result the for the club. They got yeah. good mileage out of William Pike last week. He was a terrific, terrific ambassador for the whole industry there last week he made himself available for so many media opportunities and helped promote that meeting so it was great to see him get that first winner there at the coast it was a perfect result for for the club his wife and kids came and watched a race with me in the broadcast mm. box what a delightful family there yeah. uh, oh, it's terrific. really yeah. just enjoying their time which was which was good and, and he was there yesterday signing autographs i believe yeah. so you know full marks to, to him and the family and to the gold coast club too for taking that initiative to to go on that uh that campaign trial with him, it, it, it paid very good dividends. Osmanov won the bat out of hell. That's that, the race where you sort of knew the track wasn't too bad when, yeah. when Sugar Boom ran so well. And had, had a perfect run, Toby and Trent Edmonds there. Uh, Alakan, I think, looks a stayer of some ability, only lightly mm. raced, looks progressive and uh, not a strong race, but uh, I thought one with a bit of a hand. Williams was very, Craig Williams was very kind to him. Yeah. Did they progress to a Brisbane Cup, David, 3,200 metres? Possibly, possibly. And uh, baller first run for Tony Gollan. This was one of the races mm. that you were, were spot on. Had the perfect run and was able to edge out Racecourse Road. Racecourse Road had no pressure. Wisdom of Water missed the start. Mm. He had a good run, and I thought he'd win in the run. But Baller was was good. Sort of stalked him though, didn't he, Baller? Mm. And um, he was strong at the end. Uh, just, he drew a barrier. Like he, he had just no luck at all last preparation. And Tony Gollan's obviously got him going well. So Dooman 10,000 next Saturday. We're back in a Stradbroke season. Uh, the barrier draw on Tuesday afternoon. Um, any other surprises we're, we're in store for next, next week? Well, just what the weather is. I looked at two different weather forecasts. One was 
horrific and the other one's not too bad. So um, I think Ross Smith is hoping the Bureau of Meteorology predictions are the ones that um, will be correct. So hopefully that doesn't eventuate and we, we get to a fair track because horse like Donker, it can be very super competitive in the 10,000 next week if that track is you know, closer to good. Do you think you'll get a, a big field in the 10,000? I'm not sure. They, there was sort of 27, 28 nominations. Mm. Um, uh, it's it's hard to tell. Would they be scared off by Eduardo? I'd, not not the same as they'd be scared off by Nature Strip. No, I think that uh, Eduardo's a deserved favourite, but I don't think he's uh, past the post. Excuse the pun. No, um, trekking certainly going there. Savatiano's hype in the market, but I understand she'll be held back for the Kingsford Smith. Mm. We've heard this morning that Prague's not going there, so there's a couple high up in the market that, that won't be there. Let's take a break uh, here on Past the Post. We've still got plenty to, uh, to go through. We're going to look back at Gosford and also talk about this uh, very exciting gallopper called Ayrton, who resumed and won at Caulfield yesterday. That's coming up after the break. Past the Post on Radio Tab. It was a big day of racing right around Australia yesterday. We've covered off on Morfordville and also Aquas Park Gold Coast. Let's go to Gosford. They had their first Saturday meeting and the inaugural running of a race called The Coast, a half-million-dollar race for three- and four-year-olds. It was a good betting race. In the end, the favourite was Wheelhouse at $4.40. Here's the replay. And East Asia giving a bold sight as Wheelhouse under the pump. Pulling out deep now is Arapaho from I Say Hello. Then Nemily, Brandenburg to the outside and further back to All Saints Eve. East Asia leads at the 200 by two lengths on Wheelhouse. Then Arapaho. Brandenburg's coming with a big run down the centre. And Brandenburg charges to the lead. Brutality late. Brandenburg's coast. Brandenburg by three quarters. Nudge grab second just in front of Brutality. Then came Nemily, followed by All Hallows Eve. Further back to East Asia, knocking up their wheelhouse from All Saints Eve. I say hello, Charmy Baby and Game of Thorns. Yeah, Brandenburg, uh, win strike rate, not flash, but that was an important win yesterday. It was a good win, half a million dollar uh, race for John Sargent and Reagan Bayless. He had no luck the other day at Ramwick after running in the Stark Kingdom first up at Rose Hill. But you go back to the spring, you know, running in the Epsom, the Golden Eagle, the Gong and... Everything went right from yesterday. Yeah, it was dual group race, dual group one place this time last year, and around with Guineas and Doncaster. So he wound back the clock a little bit, Dave, and he may head north now. He's a thirteen dollar chance in the Doomben Cup. Yeah, you might. You would think that uh, a northern trip is more than likely, considering that was only his third run mm. this campaign. That was Brandenburg winning the inaugural of the Coast, and let's go to one of the other features at Gosford yesterday, and this was the Gosford Gull Cup. And Wugok shows the way. The favourite Polly Gray. She's giving chase on the outside. Further back to Eliphorus laying in under pressure but finding the line well. It's Polly Gray going to Wugok. Then Eliphorus. It's Polly Gray. A half in front to Eliphorus. Polly Gray just in front of Eliphorus. And Polly Gray wins the Gold Cup. Polly Gray three quarters to Eliphorus. Wugok third. Then came Cara from Anton Stockman next. Further back to Sweet Thomas. Mr. Satchmo, young rascal. And Hush Ryder, after the tough run, dropped out to finish last. Chris Waller was at the Gold Coast yesterday, but Polly Gray for the stable uh, won the, the Cup. Tommy Berry had the ride, and that was her eighth win. She's a more than capable mare. Fair to say she probably excels or is most effective on rain-affected tracks. Yeah, that's right. She took a long time to win here in Australia, but uh, she's now won two of her past three. Uh, I heard Chris Lees tell Ray Thomas this morning the runner-up Oliferous is off to the Magic Millions National Sale to be sold. Fair enough. The other feature of the takeover target was won by Enchanted Heart. 
that was racing at Gosford yesterday. Let's now turn our attention to Caulfield and uh, the reason we're going to Caulfield is because the Stradbroke favourite, the Stradbroke favourite, ran in the last race. He's got a boom on him as long as, uh, I don't know, <laughs> from here to the the, the, the payout queue if, if the favourite wins the last race. But uh, he maintained his unbeaten record. His name is Ayrton and he went off at odds on in the final event. Hulong Command had them stretching, coming around the corner. 350 metres to go. Young King's trying to pinch this. It's two and a half lengths in front of River Knight. Ayrton brought to the middle. Then the Big Easy and behind them, Curran approaching the 200. They've got up to Yulong Command. Ayrton's grabbed them. Ayrton moves up, takes the lead under hands and heels. Curran laid into second. But Ayrton, this is going to be easy. Ayrton comes clear remains undefeated and a fantastic five for Carr. Ayrton he's down one by a length, Curran, the big easy third, then Snickerdoodle Dandy. Behind those horses, your long command in company with Crystal Chief Shelby Cobra, Haystacks Calhoun, and going amiss in the straight was River Knight. Ayrton winning as expected, justifying his short quote, maintaining an unbeaten record, now three from three. And, of course, the other side story was Jamie Carr riding five winners yesterday, a career best for her. What's new there? But Ayrton is important to us here in southeast Queensland. He is the favourite for the Stradbroke. This is quite a unique story. And Mick Price is going to join us now to talk about Ayrton. Mick, good morning. Morning, guys. Well, everything went according to plan yesterday. It did. It looked at a bit of speed on the race. I was a bit concerned before the race uh, about the 1,200, but uh, the 1,200 fitted in ideally to get him into the Fred Best. There was a 1,400 metres at Flemington next Saturday, but uh, I didn't want to have a hard run and then only have two weeks to the Fred Best. So uh, yesterday was good, but um, I thought he may get off the bridle at some point. Uh, she said he never touched the bit. I don't know whether that's relaxed, but uh, look, he's a... He's a Difficult horse to read because uh, he idles along with a big loping stride in track work. We don't we don't dig him up to see him, how fast he runs on the clock. You know what I mean? He's just done his normal work and normal trials, and uh, he just keeps improving and improving. I mean, I'm getting to know him, but he just must have enormous capacity, like heart lung capacity, because what he does, he does easy, and uh, I don't know what his best distance is, but. Um, I think if we keep him fresh and there's no pressure on him, then um, Fred best to be okay. And um, if the Stradbroke works, it works. Mick, you've been around long enough to appreciate that this is quite an extraordinary story in terms of the Stradbroke. You've got a horse that's $4.50, favourite for the Stradbroke, a, a Group 1, our signature race here in Queensland, a horse that's only had three starts, who could only get in... Uh, if he wins the Fred Best in three weeks' time. It's a pretty simple equation, but it is an extraordinary story. Uh, well, uh, what does that mean? Does that mean I shouldn't do it? No, no, no. I'm, 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 I, what, I'm saying, it's this, no, what I'm saying is it's great for our carnival, but, but it, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, so many... That race, that Fred Best now, is it's, just, it's now gained a new lease of life because it's always a good race in itself, but we're going to see what is probably one of the most exciting gallopers in Australia, try to win that race to secure a run in the Stradbroke where he is the favourite. It's a, it's a different story, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, think, I, I reckon Private Steer maybe ran in the Stradbroke uh, start number seven or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, look, you know what? If I, get a good, if I get a horse that I think is a good horse, um, I don't mess around trying to 
uh, you know, go through the grades and win eight in a row. If he's a good horse, well, uh, ask him to be a good horse. And so far, you know, uh, so you know, it's been good. I'm going to ask him to do it. And um, if at any stage we don't think he can do it, or if he gets beaten the Fred Best, there's always a Gunsin Mile three-year-old on the same day. But um, I think uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what that horse's right distance is yet. But uh, doesn't matter. He seems quick enough and big, long striding horse. I think Eagle Farm will suit him. Um, so that's what we're going to do and if it comes off, it comes off and then we'll give them a little breather in the Queensland sunshine for the spring and uh, I think in the back of my mind I would be putting a circle around the Cox Plate he seems that type of horse to me um, but um, anyway, hopefully my idea is not too ambitious well, well there is a precedent for that Dane Ripper won the Stradbroke as a three-year-old filly and the, the, the uh, Cox Plate as a four-year-old mare so we'd love to see that happen Mick, I read your, your post-race comments yesterday and you've already sort of putting this horse up with you think that he can be among the the best you've trained and, and he's yet to be tested in stakes grace so what is it that tells you that about this horse i think it's the ease of what he does he's not a difficult horse to get fit he went to a chuka trials and got a little bit revved there um but it's just the ease you, you sort of he's never been uh really tested I know he's only running restricted grade and the race was put on for him yesterday. But um, I don't know. He's, um, you know, you get riders that have ridden a lot of different horses and in the mornings um, they just come back and they're quite glowing in, in their, you know, what they feel, uh, how he's trialled. Uh, main, the main thing is, is race day. I mean, his second start I thought was quite dominant and I thought, wow, what have we got here? Mm. Um so I think, you know, each um, time you put him in a higher grade, it's going to be testing for him. Um, but at this stage, the signs are all good. What sort of weight would he get in the Stradbroke? Uh, I'm thinking not Jamie Carr's weight anyway. Oh. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, Is it a 50-pound limit for the three-year-olds this year? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I would be guessing that... So he was a 71 rater yesterday. Probably goes to 77, 78. Uh, wins a Fred Best. What what was that? A Group Three, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, he won't be rehandicapped for the Fred Best, I wouldn't think. So you're no, down on the limit. So I imagine some jockeys are on the phone, sort of thinking, "Hey, I'm available." Uh, that will be a discussion, but. Um, I did briefly talk to Jamie Carr yesterday. I said, you want to go to Brisbane? She said, yeah, definitely. I'm sticking with him. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, she did say to someone, geez, I'm going to have to diet. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll find a nice jockey. For sure and certain. You said the horse, and um, you said this right from the get-go, there's no, there's no the not-for-sale sign is up, but the phone stopped ringing now. Oh, look, when no means no, and that was the end of it. Yeah. You know, so um, they get the message pretty quick. Having a good run, roll the dice, aren't they? They had Crone win the, the Group 1 in Sydney, and, and now this horse emerge. Yeah, they have. But they're, you know what? They're syndicators that have a go. Um, I find a few of those syndicators are like they put a real boundary on price because they're too scared that they can't sell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll the dice, have a go. I don't think they've got any... They haven't got any great backing or any great funds or anything. But, um, you know, like, they will have a go. We'll, we'll... You know, we've got a horse in New Zealand we're looking at at the moment. might be two two fifty landed. It's not normal syndicator stuff. Um, I mean, Denise has a bit of a go. 
Uh, you know, sometimes um, Derby Racing have a bit of a go, but a lot of syndicators, they are scaredy cats, in my opinion. <laughs> what about... Your memory's not too bad either. I just checked Private Steer was start 10 when she won the Stradbroke. So start you, 10, was it? Yeah, well, that's not... You get a 9.5 out of 10 for that, and it was 2003, so it's nearly 20 years ago, but... Uh, that was the case there. Anything else from the stable we're going to see over the next few weeks up here? Uh, yeah, that horse went shocking yesterday. Um, a bottle of love. But he's had tie back surgery. He's all, uh, I don't reckon he's going to fire. Uh, I got a horse from New Zealand called He's a Shocker, H-E-Z-A Shocker. So he's a good two winner, and he's second or third pick in the Queensland Derby. Um, he is going to land in Brisbane on Tuesday morning. We have a rider up there, and uh, he is going to run in the Queensland Derby. Uh, that horse, Odium, might run in the Dane Ripper. She's do, doing a bit of barrier work at the moment. And uh, that may be about it, I think. Well, there it is. Thanks for your time this morning. I appreciate talking about this horse here. Tyler, as I said, he does add an extra dimension to our carnival, and look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Mick Price joining us this morning. He's good to talk to, isn't he? Oh, he's terrific. And I think what you're trying to articulate from a punning point of view, you're taking four dollars he is now with Tab. That you're taking four dollars for him to win two races. It's. Uh... I thought he was taking offence to what I was saying. Yeah, um... I, maybe I didn't phrase it really. What I was trying to say yeah. was, it's an exciting time. I think we've discussed this before. Mm. You've got a Stradbroke favourite who's actually not in the race yet, but he seems so good. Yeah. I might be showing my age here, but feeling like there's a little bit of like a never undercharge about him. Mm. He come through those restricted ranks in Melbourne. He then went to Adelaide, won what was Angus Brute, and then Blitz of yeah, yeah. That was what was that? Nineteen ninety four, ninety three. Well, there it was. That was Air Todd. He's four dollars fifty for the Strad broke down. He's four dollars. Four dollars. Yeah, firmed overnight. It must have been your money. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Hey, um, that's about it. Uh, a good day yesterday, and uh, we're going to enjoy the next two months. And there is a lot of uh, uh, participation and, and interest from interstate and New Zealand, isn't there? Yeah, there is um, up to 20 horses coming from New Zealand, I, I was told this week. Definitely 14 and possibly more. There's another one. He's a shocker that you can add to the list. Um, terrific week for both South Australia and Brisbane this week with the, the Goodwood, which will be a terrific race in uh, the 10,000 here in Brisbane. Thanks for your time, Nathan. Thanks, Dave. Nathan X will be joining me here in the studio, and, of course, he'll be with me right through the the Winter Carnival and Stradbroke season. We're going to the 10,000 at Dooman next Saturday. Thanks for your company this morning, and look forward to joining me tomorrow morning on Press Room. We'll have our regular panellists and plenty of news of what's happening here, there and everywhere. Until then, bye-bye.